today on Podcast by the Bay. We have two cities involved. Um, they have very different needs. They're very different populations. They, they, um, you know, so, so these are issues we're grappling with. It, it is more difficult to do it that way because, you know, while we want to say and we say all the time we're one district, um, we, we are two cities and they are different. So it makes it hard. Outgoing San Mateo Foster City School Board member Chelsea Bonini discussing the education dynamics between San Mateo and Foster City. The more we talk, the more we try to um, understand each other's positions and how we're working to make the community better, because we are serving the same constituents, not the cities themselves, but the school district bridging that gap. I think it's the perfect opportunity to do that. And also, an update from the current Foster City Lions Club president, Patrick Sullivan. I encouraged anybody to get involved in a service organization in their local community. Um, and Lions is a great organization to belong. Um, and as I, as I mentioned, they, they work with the community. They want to help the police and fire. They want to help the teachers. All on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realty.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And now, another podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. And welcome to another rendition episode of Podcast by the Bay. It's great to be here on a warm February afternoon, Super Bowl Sunday. We've had some wonderful shows. We have some wonderful updates. I think the last show we had a lot of good feedback, a lot of good information. And part of the discussion was that we actually had um, an interview with actually Chelsea Bellini, which, which, who was on the school board of uh, San Mateo Foster City, uh, previous to the new three school board members and actually was one of the ones actually was really involved and, and actually was participating in a lot of these processes. So Patrick had actually reached out and actually interviewed her uh, about about two months ago um, in early December, I believe it was. And uh, we are actually just getting to actually, we felt that this interview actually was very um, actually informative and actually could really paint or really shed some light on really what's happening in some of their relationship from the San Mateo side. So anyways, um, Patrick, just some of your feedback. You were there, you interviewed, and, and really updates on the school board issue, and, and, and really just, just some of your feedback. Well, you know, I had a wonderful opportunity to interview, interview Chelsea, and that was approximately, like Andre said, two months ago. But the information is still relevant today. Um, Chelsea um, is, was on the school board, and uh, and she was there working with the transition, and she's still adamantly out there working, especially for um, um, Steve Davis. As I mentioned in one of our earlier interviews, he has a three-year-old son that has autism, 
and Chelsea and him are trying to work with the school district to have more accountability. So I thought I'd mention that because I know we had Steve on there too, uh, and that's Steve Davis, who's a father, a, a father of an autistic uh, boy. Um, but with that said, Chelsea um, is an attorney. Uh, she works for a law firm in, in the city. She's quite active in politics. Um, as mentioned before, she ran for city council, um, and she wasn't successful, but she uh, got a lot of backing and support, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure Chelsea will be back. She, she's a very go-getter person. She also is a delegate um, to the Democratic Party, and uh, she'll be going to the convention, the Democratic convention, which is going to be in San Diego. Um, Chelsea is there to fight hard for the people. Uh, she's all about education. Um, I think when you listen to the interview, you're going to be very impressed with her knowledge about it. Um, I think she's been real supportive of, of the um, people that have Nancy that, uh, as you know, had for personal family things. She was the president. Now Audrey Ning um, is the school board president for the San Mateo Foster City Elementary School District. Um, she would, she, she's very diplomatic about, um, not really taking sides with any one of the board of trustees, especially the new one. She's wishing them all the best of luck. Um, as we witnessed the, the last time that I went to the, uh, San Mateo Foster City Elementary thing, they were talking about the preschool closure, uh, which there was a lot of upset parents and, and stuff like that, but nothing really could be done about it. Uh, Chelsea uh, or uh, Chelsea is is still out there, still fighting for the people, still working on the education thing. Um, as you know, that last thing they did pass the um, pass the environmental impact report with a memorandum. Um, with some of the due diligence, I'm not sure the audience is completely understand with the complexity that we have. We have a a school district, the San Mateo Foster City Elementary which have entered into a purchase agreement um, with the Chang family that owns that shopping center. And there's still a little bit of confusion, but no one's going to be pushing the issue. The property is not in the school district's name. It is still in Mr. Chang's name. And Mr. Chang is going to develop the property. Um, and again, there's there's been some legal questions, whether it's a, a conflict of interest that he's developing the property and it didn't go out to free bid. Uh, the remaining thing, and I'm not going to quote anybody, the city of Foster City or anybody um, connected to the city is not going to enter into any litigation or be involved in this uh, situation. But the school, from what we gather um, from research with uh, council people and the public, uh, the new proposal is somewhere between 7 to $11 million over budget. Um, recently in the Daily Journal, uh, the school district has offered suggestions to not build out as much to maybe save two or three, two and a half to three million. But we still come back to that immediate question. Is this the best location? Is this the cost effective thing for the school district? It appears that it's, in my opinion, and I don't know about Andres, uh, the school once built won't be adequate for the population of the school. So we're still going to be under, under, uh, under, under still more classroom space. Um, some of the things that's still bouncing out there in the community, why didn't we build on Bowdage? Why didn't we go two stories up? Now, I'm not going to quote anybody, but, but there are people on the planning commission that have personally said to me that Bowdage school might have been an ideal situation. 
Um, Andre, what's your take with uh, Councilman Perez on this situation? Well, I think he brings up uh, some great points, um, especially concerning, I think, the legality and really following the process. Um, I, I think there is a lot of concern I hear from the public, um, uh, you know, on why it's happening. And I think once you talk to him, you kind of actually do understand where he's coming from. So I kind of do understand the process, and I think he wants to do what's really right for the community. I think he really does feel the community and really understands it, and he's trying to look at it from a bigger perspective. And so when you talk to some of the city council members, you kind of understand some of their perspectives, um, and I think that that's what everybody needs to do. I think everybody needs to hear both sides of the issues and really make some of you know a decision based upon you know really weighing the different uh, elements and, and really coming to a conclusion. Um, it's very interesting to see the dynamics um, of the relationship and and how the the deal was done and, and to really hear all this in, in a way that's really. It's kind of interesting that our kids' future is really dependent on this, and that's what's really the factor, I think, that for me it's like, wow, I mean, here we are. We know we need a school. We know we need um, uh, more room. We know we we need a a plan, and really looking at this plan, this this plan with the the charter school, it's a plan. Um, I don't know if it's a plan that I would look and – you know, look and look like and say this is the most logical plan for what we're looking for. I think there's a, a lot of opportunities, right? There's the Bowditch idea. Um, you know, Redwood City they, they 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 have the new technology school that they put in there, and so there's all these different kind of things that people are coming up with. Our, our option was taking Booth Bay Park and, and looking at Booth Bay as a way. Hey, this is a giant piece of land here, and we have so many parks in Foster City. Why not take one park, just one, and I and I know there's a lot of pushback on that, but I think that when you're looking at the greater good of the situation, maybe there's an opportunity, maybe there's not. I don't know, but I think we have to start asking those questions and start looking. And so, anyways, I think that's where when I look at some of the councilmen, like like uh, Councilman Perez, and you know the other councilmen, they're actually trying to look at this from a bigger picture and try to say, well, what really makes the most sense. That that's how I see it. So so yeah, I, I think there's some good points and people being coming engaged, right? People are becoming engaged and getting involved, and that's what we want. That's what we're here for. A podcast by the bay. We're trying to help facilitate that process. So definitely reach out to us. Podcast by the bay at Gmail. If you have something happening, you have some feedback. You're going to see things. We read things. We read the paper. We we we're we're, we're trying to stay involved too. Um, definitely reach out to this. So. We're going to get to the Chelsea interview, um, Chelsea Bellini, and she's kind of the right. And one more thing, and, and if we could do one more thing to the listeners out there, we really encourage you to give us your feedback on this situation. Um, as you know, we relatively pretty much on the Foster City Elementary School Board have new board members, and I had an opportunity to listen to them closely. They don't want to make a mistake. Um, and they're feeling that they need to make that decision to move forward with the school primarily because it was promised to them. Well, I think it is important that it was promised um, uh, to the school district and it was promised to the parents and to the students and all that stuff. But like Andrew brings out, 
Is that the best solution? We want to hear what your solution is. Um, obviously, uh, Andre brought up booth base. Some people might like booth base. Some people might like the Bowdage idea of the double decker. We've got to come together on a solution. We don't want any this. Like I mentioned, the city doesn't want any litigation over this situation. And as I brought out real clearly too, um, the environmental impact report with with being right over there on that uh, location on the shell and beach park where there is going to be a lot of traffic and there's going to be more congestion so if we're really concerned about traffic and congestion i think that the location over there is not ideal uh and that we're way over budget so but you know what you're you're the people out there that live in this area we need to hear your voices and your voices need to get back to the school district and they also need to get to the city the city and foster city is hands are kind of tied on this situation well said, Patrick. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get to the Chelsea interview, and then we're going to actually come back and actually interview our very own Patrick Sullivan, who's actually the Lions Club president, and we're going to kind of give a breakdown of what the Lions Club is and really some of the things that are happening in the Foster City Lions Club. So we're going to give an update for Foster City Lions Club. So with that, we'll be right back, and uh, we'll just check out the Chelsea, enjoy it, and uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes. All right. Good morning. This is Patrick on Podcast from the Bay. Actually, it's noontime, so we're almost into the afternoon hour. We're fortunate enough to have an exclusive interview with Chelsea. And Chelsea, how do you pronounce your last name to be exact? Bonini. Bonini. Okay, am I almost there? You're almost there. Okay, thank you for taking the opportunity to talk with us. Chelsea is a well-known in the community in the uh, San Mateo Foster City Elementary School District. She serves on the board. She also was a candidate for Foster, or for San Mateo City Council. Uh, welcome, Chelsea, to Podcast by the Bay. We're excited to talk with you. Why don't you give us a little background about you, Chelsea, and where you were, where you're from originally, and uh, how how did you get here? Okay. Well, it's nice to be here, Patrick. Thank you. Um, so a little bit about me. I, I've lived in San Mateo for the, about the past uh, 14 years or so. Um, but before that, I lived in San Francisco. Uh, I went to high school there and then uh, lived there while I was in college and started uh, my initial work uh, in, the, in the community. And then uh, before that, I, actually, I grew up in Tahoe, so in Truckee, in that area. Excellent. What is your passion here in the community that really excites you about being involved? Because obviously, Chelsea, you are involved, and, and we appreciate that you're involved in the community. Um, my, my focus on community outreach has really been um, around um, things that my kids have been involved in. That's how I started out really working um, as uh, on the board of the Little League in San Mateo and, and being on the, the PTA. And, um, and I went on to do, you know, a school board uh, following that. And I, I've had a lot of other volunteer opportunities as well with different activities they've participated in, such as uh, my older son going to Toyonaka um, a couple of years ago with the Sister City Association from San Mateo and leading the fundraising for that. And so so anything that they've been involved in, I've been involved in. And the reason I, I chose to run for school board was because it kind of brought together my passion for education. It was also doing something for, for my children, but also others. And um, my love for my practice of law and policy and, and developing law and being, being in that role. Um, I thought of it in that way, in being a, a contributor, not really so much as being political. Obviously, there's some challenges in education right now. And obviously, you have some passion because you've been on the uh, 
on the board there for the San Mateo Foster City Elementary School District. Why don't you talk briefly about how you uh, were appointed or ran for office there for, and what was your major passion besides giving back to the community? So at the time that I chose to uh, run for school board, there were a lot of things going on. There was a restructuring of funding from the state level, which was focused on um, equity in some ways and addressing the needs of children with um, uh, diverse uh, backgrounds, uh, second language students and um, socioeconomically disadvantaged students. The funding structure was meant to balance that out throughout the state. Um, That was going on as well as the um, Common Core um, curriculum coming forward. And for me, that was inspired me a little bit because when I uh, went to school to become a teacher and majored in that, um, the uh, the philosophies that I was studying then were very much aligned with what Common Core is. And that was the whole language movement. And so um, that sort of went by the wayside because it as education things happen, you know, that didn't have every part that it needed. But Common Core is much more, you know, it bolsters a lot of the the important aspects of education. So um, I wanted to be involved in that. I thought, well, I know about education and um, these are policy changes and I I like to read policy. I love to develop policy. So I thought that that was something that I could do. So that was really what inspired me to do it and then along the way there have been a lot of other how long have you how long did you serve on the board four years four years and and what would you um say was the uh, most exciting thing that you were able to accomplish while serving on the board oh that's a good question um so we've been able to do a lot of lot of things um one of the things that i'm was most excited about really was um being able to um, expand and have the opportunity to, opportunity to expand the Montessori program, which is an amazing program in our district, which is unique, one of the very first Montessori programs in all of the state that's in a public school. And at the same time, um, add uh, some uh, you know students and add programming to lower level grade levels for um, the STEM programming, which we know in our communities and in the Bay Area is very um, supported because you know we have a lot of technology going on around here, right? So, um, so this added a, a STEAM program, which incorporated arts as well, to the K through five, which. Now, as of uh, this year, is at our Bayside STEM school. We have K through eight, um, STEAM and STEM. So that wow. was exciting. And then the Montessori is now at two campuses, um, and we're working on growing that. So th- those um, programmatic things. How really many the students most does that affect on the Montessori? Um, so be- they're, they're between the two schools. I don't know the exact number, to be honest, Patrick. I think we have maybe it's about five to 600 students. Wow. Well, as a Foster City resident myself, um, one of the challenges for the school district has been the communication between San Mateo and Foster City. Um, and obviously you shared an opportunity of four years and I'm only asking your opinion, Chelsea, what, what do you think could help bridge that connection with the city of San Mateo? And I know you've worked diligently with all the board members, even, even the ones that do live in Foster City. So why, why don't you just give us your opinion on how that they could maybe have a little bit better marriage, so to speak? Well, you know, I always think that um, we need to work together, you know, on on big issues. And there are issues that impact San Mateo and Foster City. And then fortunately for the school district, we get to work with both cities. So so as you mentioned, you know, I've had an opportunity to be on liaison groups with San Mateo 
and with Foster City. And um, the more we talk, the more we try to um, understand each other's positions and how we're working to make the community better, because we are serving the same constituents, not the cities themselves, but the school district bridging that gap. I think it's the perfect opportunity to do that. So some of the things that we've tried over the years, you know, have been those um, liaison meetings between the district and with each city. And there have been times where we've met city, uh, both cities with the district as well. So those are, you know, primarily education issues. But, but I think that the more council members can meet with each other and try to find out where their interests um, are aligned and how they can help each other and how they might be willing to collaborate, that is my vision for, you know, for our region. And, and we do it fairly well in our county, but I think that we have a lot of um, silo um, decisions going on. And what we do in one city right next to another really does impact. And what the city does really impacts the district. So if we're all on uh, at least the same page or the same couple of pages, I think that we can do a lot more, more efficiently, more effectively for our communities as a whole. Well, Chelsea, I've been following this issue for probably longer than you were on the board, but but I will tell you that it's nice and excited to see that the council of finally in Foster City have embraced or trying to work with San Mateo in doing that. And I think we need to push forward in that direction. I agree. I, it's been a good, I've really enjoyed being on the um, that, that group, that liaison group this year and the council members who were who are there working with us. I have, you know, Trustee Shea on my side working and then um, Charlie Brunitsky and Catherine Mahampour. And they've both been, you know, really open to having discussions with us. So. Well, it's just nice, like I said, that the cities realize the education is not just for the Department of Education to take care of. These are our constituents, too. So congratulations to that. And I hope that communication continues on. Um, recently, we, we had an election for the school the school board. I um, mean, we have a lot of new candidates, and I'm not asking in particular to talk about any one of those candidates, but why don't you tell us what the challenges you think that the new board will have, um, and maybe your words of wisdom to them. So it's exciting to have a, a new board. We have three new, a majority of the board are new. Um, and, you know, some of the issues they are going to deal with are right before us right now. You know, I'm still working on as I um, depart in the next couple of weeks. Um, we, we need to find a point of agreement with our teachers. Um, we need to understand that we have some uh, budgeting um, uh, funding issues at the state level. Um, we weren't able to pass our most recent parcel tax, and we have rising pension costs, which I know the cities are dealing with as well. Um, so these are all very impactful. Um, it's not just our district. Um, they will learn, the new candidates, the now the new electeds, um, that you know these are things going on countywide, and I encourage them, my words of wisdom are, find out what's going on in the county, get involved in the San Mateo County School Boards Association, which I've been involved with and on the board of for the past four years, um, and do, do as much outreach as you can beyond your own board to learn how you can help you help those situations. I mean, the deficit spending that we have, while it's hard to hear it, but it is happening because of all of these issues, it's happening in almost every district in the county um, in the next couple of years, and they're outward. So. Okay, one of, a, one of the more controversial things is the regionalization of things. Um, obviously, as an example, um, the sheriff's department um, has 
and the fire department are both uh, consolidated. Um, do you think regionalization can work in education? Uh, I know it's a tough question. It's it's um, so each city has its own um, characteristics, has its own qualities, right? And we value in education more, maybe more than the city does. We value the local control, and that's what we were given with the new funding from the state. It's called the local control funding formula. So we work on that, and we have to do outreach, and it's the input we get from our cities. Um, we have two, so. Um, so it's very locally based. So based on that concept, you know, we're a good um, district to ask the question to or of because we are already trying to be a little bit regional. We have two cities involved. Um, they have very different needs. They're very different populations. They, they, um, you know, so, so these are issues we're grappling with. It, it is more difficult to do it that way because, you know, while we want to say and we say all the time we're one district, um, we are two cities and they are different. So it makes it hard. Um, I think if you were to, there are districts in um, Southern California, which encompass maybe five cities, maybe even more. I don't know how they manage it. Because of course, as I've mentioned, we are interacting with the councils. We're trying to collaborate, get the you know internal structures, community partners. So it's a, it's a huge job. I, I think if you had to do it regionally for all the cities and you had one board, it would be um, it would be less personalized, um, and it would be hard to get those those unique qualities reflected in your schools. You would be not only saying my city isn't the same as that one city, but look at all these different cities, and we all have different needs. Why aren't you serving all our needs? So I can just see it being more even more problematic. It's a hard task as it is. Wow! Thank you um, for answering that real difficult question. Um, well, I want to congratulate you because it was part of your tenure that we were fortunate to um, push forward with the Charter Square uh, situation. That was quite challenging. Uh, do you have any comments on the Charter Square thing? Now, I, I got a two-part question there. Is it my understanding that it will fill a need, but we will still be short classroom space? Um, so... My, I learned a lot about Foster City as I came onto the board, and I learned that for most of the time that, that the schools have been full. Um, and what I, what I think is going to happen with this new school is that um, there will be um, fewer students at each school because they will kind of, as we, as we structure it, they will filter over to the new school. Um, it has a capacity of up to 600 students. Um, and so we don't anticipate that being full right away. And then, as you know, we have a district-wide policy for transfers. And so people uh, from Foster City, many students go to San Mateo. Some students right now from San Mateo choose to choose a Foster City school. So we anticipate that that will open up as well, that there'll be some movement that people could choose to go to a different school if they wanted. What if your, your parent works nearby? That's one of the common reasons people seek a transfer. Um, so not like a mass transfer in or out at any school, but that a filtering out will happen. I don't think that it will fill quickly. And um, I do think, though, with the demographics showing that there will be an increase, continued increase of children in Foster City, that at some point it will fill, I, I anticipate. Well, I appreciate that. Well, one of the uh, major problems on the peninsula is transportation. I'm going to take it from the educational standpoint to get an opinion, and then we'll see if we can um, have some opinions on how we could solve it. Um, there's some 
and I don't know if it is, is accurate, but that 30% of the traffic in the morning that comes into Foster City are parents taking their kids to school. I, I live near one of the schools, um, the Bowdage School, and uh, they're SUVs, Beamers, Mercedes, all kinds. And I think that's wonderful that their parents are bringing them. But it would be my opinion that if we could bring back school busing, um, that it could eliminate 30% of our traffic problem in Foster City. Do you have an opinion on that? So, it's an interesting question. I agree that a lot of the traffic, and if you look at the traffic studies, it shows, of course, the impacted times are the drop-off times. A lot of cars traveling to the schools. Um, and that's a function of not just, you know, that they're traveling across Foster City, for instance. It's that parents are a little more helicoptery than they used to be. And so they are dropping off their middle schoolers when, realistically, some of them could walk. Um, now, if they're having to travel a far way across the city and there was a different way of transporting, that's something I would I would think could be considered. But what I am hoping is that with this new school, we won't have as many students traveling as far throughout Foster City. So we can't we can't know right now what we know there'll be some um, in our traffic impact study that we're looking at right now with our EIR. We know what are the per you know, the, the possible negative impacts, but we don't actually have a way of measuring what the positive impacts are throughout the city of people having, because we're going to have to change boundaries slightly to account for the new school. So maybe there's more walkability aspect there or bike riding ability. I think that those are factors that we just don't know how that's going to work out yet. In terms of adding um, a, a bigger form of transportation, like a bus, um, my thought on that is really I would not want to do that um, within the city if it could be avoided. Um, but I have other reasons for that. You know, it, the cost is, is a lot. And if we could accomplish it in another way, I think it would be better a better way to do it in terms of the boundary changes. Well, I appreciate your response on that. We thank you by Podcast by the Bay. We can tell you're a community activist and you're communicating and we continue to wish you a lot of luck in whatever you do in the peninsula. I know you're not going to give up on anything you do. And again, it's an honor for us to interview Chelsea, Podcast by the Bay, signing off. So welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the Chelsea interview and really some of the insight on really some of the San Mateo perspective, which I think is very helpful for some of our listeners who really don't understand um, some of the different dynamics. Um, but anyway, so we wanted to move move on, and our next topic of the day is actually our very own Patrick Sullivan, who's not only the host of Podcast by the Bay, but he's also the Foster City Lions Club president. He's actually the current sitting president of the Foster City Lions Club. And so we wanted to actually take this opportunity to really talk with Patrick about the Lions Club, about what's happening uh, with the Lions and what they're doing within the community, and really some of the updates. So with that, Patrick, just to kind of give a brief update as far as what exactly is the Foster City Lions Club and what do they actually do for the community? Well, you know, I'm honored to be president of Foster City Lions, and the Lions organization started in 1916 in Indiana by a Dr. William Perry Woods. Um, in 2015, they approximately figured there's 46,000 local clubs in more than 1.4 million in over 200 countries around the world. Uh, the headquarters is in Oak Brook, Illinois, United States. Um, 
and their their motto is we serve. Um, so we just celebrated in Foster City our 50 years of being Lions. So Foster when Foster uh, Foster City Lions started, Foster City wasn't even uh, incorporated. So and. Melvin Joes is the founder of it, and it, like I said, it's the type is it's a service secular club, which is not politically affiliated. Politics are not encouraged uh, in though indirectly we serving the community, we're serving the police and fire, the white cane bingo, guide dogs for the blind, the blood bank. Um, we also have uh, the the Melvin Jones Award, uh, which is an award for a member or a club or an individual that raises of a thousand dollars. They hold their. We we also as um, a club, um, we also um, have a district, which is a District Four C Four, which is the conglomerate of all the clubs. Uh, whether they're from San Francisco, whether they're from Half Moon Bay or Brisbane. I just came from a cabinet meeting on Saturday, and it was exciting uh, for the cabinet meeting because at the cabinet meeting, they're going to elect new officers that represent the different zones. There are several zones in the district. We have the speech contest, and the speech contest is going after local high school seniors um, or juniors or freshmen that want to involve in the speech contest and they can go all the way up and, and uh, get quite a, a bit of money uh, in the thousands of dollars range. It starts out real low. Our first one is going to be February 13th um, at our Lions um, Club here in Foster City and it's going to be exciting. Um, and the um, I, I again mentioned what we, we also have um, several events. We just uh, finished the spaghetti and bingo night, which we raise money with the police and fire. We've done this 13 years in a row with the Rotary Club, and it's exciting to do with the Rotary. The Rotary is also a service organization, um, and um, we're delighted that we had a, a spectacular event and raised thousands and thousands of dollars between the Rotary and the Lions, and we're going to give it to the uh, police and fire. Uh Lions are also very much interested in the uh, guide dogs for the blind. Uh, the guide dogs are location uh, for the training of the dogs. We do have one in, I think it's in Marin County or San Rafael area. Um, let's take Lions International Membership, like I said, is 1.4 million members worldwide. Uh, and it was founded in Evansville, Indiana on, on the 24th of October, 1916 which means Lions International is celebrating their 100th birthday. That's exciting. Um, so with that said, um, uh, is there any questions that you may have of, of, of Lions, Andre? Yeah, wow. Well, that's actually very interesting. I actually didn't know how much of the participation in the community and, and really some of the history, which you kind of described how old the foundation is. And and really, uh, just looking at your tenure here, so you're the current president, You've actually been working and you've been involved in a lot of these uh, events. What is, I would say, one of your actually things that – one of your most proudest event that you've actually been a part of? What is something you can look back and just really feel good about? 
Well, you know, we have an upcoming crab feed, and that's going to be February uh, 24th, and it's going to be in Foster City, and that's going to be $50 per person. That crab feed, um, um, I've worked on it for the last four or five years. We're fortunate enough to have some donations come in from the fish market. Everybody's familiar with the fish market in uh, San Mateo. I've been very proud to work uh, with the organization um, and go out and get the donations that we get from different different businesses out there uh, a lot of the local businesses we try to keep things local um, and we're, we're promoting that we do have a newsletter we are on Facebook um, my motto this year was was ask not what your Lions Club can do for you but what you can do for your Lions Club group so uh, Lions has a basically a leadership organization they have lots of training training for if you become a treasurer training if you become a vice president training if you if you want to move up the line and go to the 4c4 district um, we have an upcoming convention which is May 3rd through the 6th and this is going to be in Reading at the Red Lion Hotel uh, and that's an exciting event uh, and they'll have a hospitality room. Um, and when you go to the convention, they have the amateur show. Uh, they, they, they have a barber quartet. Uh, they present awards to different clubs and that you have awards for your news bulletin. You have awards for raising um, money on a, on a bingo event or a white canes event. So uh, the idea is to stimulate good service to volunteering in the community, fellowship. Uh, One of the proud things that I'm very proud to see is that um, when I first got in service organizations, women were not part of it. And and I was in an organization called the JCs, which is a junior chamber of commerce. As we all know, the United States uh, Supreme Court made it, it was discrimination not to allow women Women make up almost 50% of our organization um, of the Lions, and that's probably true with the Rotary, too. So there's a lot more different dynamics out there. Um, The Lions Club can participate in any project that they want to put forward. Um, But the core things is, you know, you're doing the guide dogs for the the blind. You're you're, uh, donating blood. We also, the Lions International, um, they have the Melvin Jones Service Award, uh, and the Service Award can go to anybody that raises that $1,000 or the $1,000 is proposed. So, um, William, and, and you can find a lot of the information. I encouraged anybody to get involved in a service organization in their local community. Um, and Lions is a great organization to belong. Um, and as I, as I mentioned, they, they work with the community. They want to help the police and fire. They want to help the teachers. We have Martin, one of our newer members, who's a police officer in Foster City. He's going to be working with Wendell um, on Flag Day. Uh, and Flag Day is an extremely big project. I worked on the Flag Day for uh, ever since I've been uh, in Foster City. I've been in Foster City Alliance since 2011. Uh, great organization. Yes, and it sounds like it's just all the events and fundraisers and really community events that you guys are a part of. And I think if the listeners out there want to participate and they want to be a part of it, how, how would they actually go, go about in doing that? Well, you know, you can go online to our website, um, fostercitylions.com. We're also on Facebook. 
or you can reach out with reach out to me at any time too. And um, um, we also have a, a coming up a city fest, which used to be called the Art and Wine. Now it's the City Fest, so that's going to be coming up. We've got the Fourth of July event coming up. There's always something to do, and I can't begin to tell you the fellowship and the the opportunity to meet meet your neighbors. And some of the people live in Foster City, and some live in the East Bay. Some live further down in the peninsula in Atherton. We've got them in San Francisco. I encourage you, get involved. Service is the best work of life. It sounds wonderful, Patrick. I'm actually logging on to your FosterCityLions.com website, and I'm actually looking at the history. I guess, one, just to list out your current officers and directors, looks like you're the president. You have uh, first vice president is Pierre. Second vice president is Jimmy. And third vice president is Mary, and um, Sheikha was looks like the past president. And just to kind of give some history, it's actually there's a whole historical page on the Foster City Lions, um, just on the Lions organization. And actually, see if some of these names ring, ring familiar to any of the listeners out there. Art Kiesel, Herb Perez, Phyllis Moore, Linda Kelling, and even the first Foster City mayor, Wayne McFadden. So you have this long list of Foster City, uh, you know, community members actually being a part of the organization. So it just looks great, Patrick. And I encourage any of the listeners who want to get in the community service that want to be a part of something that want to actually, uh, you know, do better for themselves and also the community. Get out there. Go on FosterCityLions.com and actually check it out. There's actually membership. I'm looking at it right now as we're, we're speaking right here. There's actually you can apply right there. So definitely go, on to, go to check it out. So with that, Patrick, I really appreciate you giving us some insight and really kind of highlighting what the organization does and really giving us some insight on this because um, that actually is very enlightening to a lot of the listeners out there, including myself. So with that, I think we're going to move on and um, we'll call it a, a, a show. And uh, I'm going to get to my um, thought of the, the episode coming up here. But after that, we're going to call it a day. So with that, this is Andre. Uh, hope you enjoy the Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, with that, this is Andre. And this is Patrick. And we'll see you on next episode of Podcast by the Bay. All right. So today we're going to start a new segment called Thought of the Episode, right? And this is really some sort of concept or something that, that's happening right now in our society or something. Then, and, and every every episode, we're going to bring a new thought. And so today's thought is why I can't watch uh, football, right? So why I can't watch football. And I would probably a lot of people are thinking right off the bat that, oh, it's because of the national anthem and the, and the players not standing. Actually, that's not it. It actually has nothing to do. I actually do know people that – are not watching football because of that reason, but that's not why I can't watch football. Why I can't watch football is because it's so chocked full of unnecessary, unrelevant, just complete waste of time commercials that are just bombarded over and over and over. And literally, when you watch an hour of football, you're watching almost three hours of commercials, right? It's just this complete, over-the-top, you know, this, this spoon fed right into you and it's just completely such a waste of time and I can't I can't give my time up anymore to football I'll tell you what I grew up watching every single game right every single 49er game every single one I watched it even up until a couple years ago I still enjoyed the 49ers but I don't enjoy the commercials and I would record the games and then fast forward through them because basically 
that's the only way I can actually really enjoy the game. So I'll tell you what. Super Bowl Sunday, if it's all these commercials and it's all that, which people love to watch the commercials, which I get their entertainment, but I can't watch it. I, I mean, I cannot sit there and watch it and really think that, oh, this is a very productive thing I'm doing or anything. I just think it's a complete waste of time. So for that reason, I can't watch football. And let me tell you another thing about our society in today's commercials. We have Netflix. We have Amazon. Our kids today don't even have to deal with their commercial bombardment that we had to do growing up right they actually have the ability to actually just see content which is revolutionary but you know what's not cable think about it cable you are paying them you are paying the cable company to watch commercials you are paying them to get the tbs's the tnt's you know amc's all these ones but they have commercials you they should not be having commercials if you're paying them no, you're paying to watch commercials. So that's why I can't watch it. So there you go. That's the thought of the episode, why I can't watch football. And there it is. So when they stop uh, bomb- bombing us with all these uh, commercials, maybe I'll start watching them. Just like soccer. You watch soccer, you can go 45 minutes with pure football, pure soccer. And let me tell you, it's so much more interesting than being stopped every two minutes for another commercial break. So there you go. Until next time, that's the thought of the week. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to another podcast by The Bay. Podcast by The Bay is brought to you by... Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realty.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned. (laughs) 